banner. You know, let, me, let me start by saying, some of you have not heard me before, I am not a professional preacher. I work over there at the school, you know, that's what I do. Um, but Ben actually gave me plenty of time to get ready for this one. It wasn't the night before. So I appreciate that. And, um, you know, I've, I've, I've done this a few times now, and every time I, Ben asked me, I, I, you know, I, I question myself, but he, he provides me with the, the resources, and it's like writing a research paper every time. Because um, Ben loves to read. I'm not that person. I like to read some, but not like he does. And we're, we're going to continue with 1 Corinthians, and one of the books he gave me, well, the, the book is about that thick, and it's all on 1 Corinthians. But, um, so, I am, um, there's a lot of praying and a lot of looking into what God wants to say and, and about these verses. But um, we are going to continue today with the study of 1 Corinthians. Um, last week, if you were here, we looked at 1 Corinthians 3, verses 1 through 4. And we saw that Paul was talking to the church at Corinth about divisions within the church. Um, we learned there that the cure for those divisions is turning away from ourself and setting our eyes on the one God whom we should glorify. When we focus our attention on the Lord, as it should be, there should be no time and occasion for a division. When our attention is on him, it can't be on ourselves or on the human leaders or human factions. Well, this morning, we're going to continue with chapter 3, and we're going to look at verses 5 through 17. So listen to that. Okay. Ben did verses 1 through 4, and I'm doing 5 through 17. That's, that's like him. Um, so let's, let's look at the first few verses. Let's look at verses um, 5 through 19. Um, and follow along with me. It says, Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos? But ministers through whom you believed, as the Lord gave to each one. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own award, reward according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. Remember last week in verses 1 through 4, we were looking at the metaphor about the baby drinking milk and growing up. Today we're going to look at a couple of different metaphors, and this one in these verses talking about a plant. And we're going to shift our, our focus from, or Paul actually shifts his focus from the Corinthians to himself and Apollos. Verse 5 says, Who then is Paul and who is Apollos? But, sinner, but ministers through whom he believed, as the Lord gave to each one. Paul is trying to let the believers at Corinth know that Paul and Apollos are not the important part of this equation. The people of this church have begun to put Paul and Apollos on a pedestal. 
Paul's reminding them that they are merely servants. They are not the true leaders. They are the servants whom the Lord has employed to bring the Christians to belief. This is a humble but accurate assessment of the roles that ministers play. They were the vehicle of the faith of the Corinthians, but their effectiveness was not inherent to anything that they had done, but what the Lord had done in their lives. Paul's telling them, it's not about what we as humans do. We cannot save anyone. The only one that can save someone is the Lord himself. The task given to Paul and Apollos came from the Lord himself. Hence, it is the Lord's work. It's not the work of the, Lord, of the ministers that should be featured. Verse 6 says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Paul's telling us there that he planted the seed. He started teaching the gospel in Corinth in the first place. Apollos watered it by teaching after Paul left. But they're not the ones that matter. They're not the reason for the growth. God is who gives spiritual growth. It is the Lord alone who can give the faith to the spiritually ignorant and dead. We have no saving power. Verse 7 says, So then neither he who plants is anything, nor is he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Paul's trying to make sure that the Corinthians understand where the credit belongs. The credit must be given to God, not to Paul or Apollos or any earthly leader. Another humbling statement. God expects us to plant. God expects us to water. But we are merely the tools that he is using. God is the reason for the growth, and all the honor for the accomplishment goes to God. Or should go to God. Now, Paul's not downplaying anyone who establishes or strengthens churches. The issue here is not the source of growth. It stems not from human beings, but only from God. It's important here to remember that that Paul is writing to the church of Corinth. He is writing to believers. So do those words still apply to us today? Yeah. So as we look at our world today, and, and we can see this happening all over. Unfortunately, we see humans who are outstanding speakers, great motivators, and some great preachers. And sometimes it's easy to follow them as humans instead of what they're preaching. Sometimes it's too easy to get ex- caught up in the excitement. You hear people talk about, well, we heard this from this preacher, this from this preacher. We go to this preacher because there's so many people here. There's so many people here. It's not a competition. Like the Corinthians, we risk elevating human leaders and giving too much credit to people 
who are merely servants. It's about the message. We are prone to see pastors and their ministries in competition with one another. Where we should see them as fellow workers. Both with each other and with God himself. Who all have one purpose. Verse 8. It says, now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. He who plants and he who waters are one. Paul is telling us here that although we may have different roles in his church, we should all have the same purpose, and that's to serve the Lord as we carry out his will. Each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. Be careful here. Humans love rewards. We talked about this a little bit in, in Sunday school. As humans, we are all about winning awards. We want an award for everything. Some of us even want a participation award. We're not talking about that type of reward. We're not talking about a reward that we will see right now. It's also not talking about salvation. Salvation does not, our works do not win you salvation. No amount of labor we do can win us salvation. Salvation came and comes from Christ dying on the cross for us and rising again. That's what wins us salvation. The rewards Paul's talking about here will come in the future. And we'll look in that in, in the next few verses. It's appropriate that God's faithful servants be appreciated and encouraged while they're on earth. It's okay to give praise to those preachers and to those that are sharing the Lord. But they're not to be glorified, not to be set apart, and they're not to be made the center of special groups or movements. Everything has to rise around Jesus, around God, around Christ. Verse 9 says, for we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building." Again, Paul here reminds us that all ministers are equal workers in the field. We all have the same job, the same purpose. Maybe not the same job, but the same purpose. But the spiritual life from that field is entirely by God's grace and power, not ours. The last part of this verse, it shifts to another area. So we went from babies to plants, and now we're going to talk about construction. So let's look at verses 10 through 17. So according to, God's, according to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another builds on it. Let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, 
Each one's work will become clear. For the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test each, other, each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive an award, a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss. But he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. Go back to verse 10. According to the grace of God, which is given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. Let each one take heed how, how he builds on it. So now we're looking at architecture. We're looking at building, uh, building a house. In this case, we're building a church. We're building upon a foundation. Um, Paul shifts this metaphor to architecture and portrays his work as establishing the church as a foundation. Paul does not take the credit for himself, for he notes that the church was founded by God's grace. He ends this verse by warning us to be careful how we build upon that foundation. Verse 11, for no other foundation can anyone lay than which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Paul is telling us that the only true basis for a foundation of a church is the gospel of Christ. Any other foundation is, is not good. We have already seen from Corinthians 1, 18 through 2, 5, that Christ's crucifixion constitutes the baseline of his gospel. Everyone who has preached or led biblically with the church has been building on that foundation. The question, though, is what have they been building with? Verse 12 and 13 says, Now if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. He says if anyone builds, he's referring to evangelists, pastors, and then to all the believers who are called to build the church through faithful ministry. And he gives us two categories here of building materials. The first category represents materials which are useful and beneficial in erecting a structure on the foundation of God's temple. He talks about gold, silver, precious stones. These quality materials represent dedicated spiritual service to build the church. This is how we want to build our church. The second category is wood, hay, straw. These are materials that are useless when building a superstructure such as the temple. Inferior materials imply shallow activity with no eternal value. They're not referring to evil activities, just useless activities. And we'll get more on that in a minute. 
Verse 13 tells us that each of our works will be judged on the day at the judgment seat of Christ. This judgment is, again, not about our salvation, but about what materials we used and how we use them to glorify God and build his temple. If we use the gold, the silver, and the precious stones, remember those were our best materials, then those materials will withstand the fire. However, if we use other materials like wood, hay, and straw, we will not be able to stand the judgment of fire. Now, this is not talking about hell, and it's not talking about purgatory. Fire will be be used to test our actions. Paul is telling us that we have built with gold, I'm sorry, let me, Paul is telling us that if we have built with gold, silver, and costly stones, or otherwise, if we have preached Christ, loved one another, pursued unity, and obeyed the Spirit, then the fire will reveal how well we have built the church. These materials do not represent wealth, talents, or opportunity, nor do they represent spiritual gifts, all of which are good and are given to each believer by the Lord as he sees fit. These materials represent believers' responses to what they have and how well they serve the Lord with what God has given them. In other words, they represent our works. What have we done for God with what we have? Remember, we cannot be saved by our works. And we don't have to stay saved by our works. Ephesians 2.10 tells us that every Christian has been created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we would walk in them. Works are not the source of Christian life, but they are the marks of it. So how do we build on this foundation? First of all, we build by our motives. Why we do a thing is as important as what we do. A campaign of neighborhood visitation done because of compulsion or competition is wood. But visiting the same people in love to win them to the Lord is gold. Seeing a solo in church and being concerned about how people like our voice is hay. But seeing to glorify the Lord is silver. Given generously out of duty or pressure from others is straw. But given generously with joy to extend the gospel and to serve others in the Lord's name is a precious stone. Motive means a lot. Work that on the outside looks like gold to us may be hay in God's eyes. He knows our motives. 
Secondly, we build by our conduct. Our conduct can be good, it can be evil, or it can just be useless, like the wood, the hay, the straw. Those are not evil things, but they're useless. So things we can do, so things we do can also be gold or wood, silver or hay, precious stone or straw. And God is the judge of what materials we use. Thirdly, we build by our service. The way we use the spiritual gifts God has given us, the way we minister in his name, is of supreme importance in our building for him. So through our motives, our conduct, and our service. Let's move on to verses 14 and 15. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss. But he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. This is not a judgment for sin. Christ paid that price so that no believer will ever be judged for sin. This is only determined to determine eternal reward. These verses make it clear that this is not a time of punishment, but a time of reward. Even the one that has built with wood, hay, or straw will not be condemned, but his reward will correspond to the quality of his building materials. When wood, hay, straw come in contact with fire, they are burned up. Nothing is left but cinders. They cannot stand the test. Gold, silver, and precious stones, however, do not burn. They will stand the test, and they will bring great reward. Roman Catholics use verse 15 to support the doctrine of purgatory. But that is not what Paul is talking about here. The fire in this, in this metaphor does not purge a person. It tests the quality of their work and specifically their work in building the church, either revealing it to be good or exposing it as poor. It is not a passage about post-mortem purification. I know all morning you've been hearing about wood, hay, and straw, and you can't help thinking about the three little pigs. In some ways, this story of the three little pigs is like this. Some of us build with straw, some with wood, and some with bricks. When the time of judgment comes, or when the wolf's gonna all huff and I'll puff and I'll blow your house down, the quality of the building is revealed. If it's been built with the bricks, it survives. If it was built with straw or hay, it collapses and huge damage is done. This pig is still there. When a pastor preaches sound, solid doctrine, he is building constructively. When a teacher teaches the word consistently and fully, he is building with good materials. 
when a person with the gift of helps spends himself serving others in the Lord's name, he is building with materials that will endure testing. When a believer's life is holy, submissive, and worshipful, he is living a life built with precious materials. However, it's easy to fool ourselves into thinking that anything we do in the Lord's name is in his service, just as long as we're sincere, hardworking, and well-meaning. But again, what looks to us like gold may turn out to be straw because we have not judged our materials by the standard of God's word. Pure motives, holy conduct, and selfless service. We should never be judging ourselves by the world around us. It's easy to be better than other people around us. We judge ourselves by God's word and by his expectations. There's a third group of workmen here, the unbelievers, who we referred to earlier as evil. God will never destroy those believers whom he has redeemed and given eternal life. But this final group made up of evil, unsaved people who attack God's people and God's work. This group of people can work either from within or without the church, destroying what God has built up. Verses 16 and 17. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. If you take and read those passages out of context, you may not get the whole picture of what Paul is trying to tell us here. Um, the sacredness of ministry is evident in that the church is God's temple. And we make up God's temple. The context here indicates that Paul is not referring to us as individual believers, but to the, as the church corporately. The reference to the church as the temple of God fits with the architectural metaphor which introduces the, this paragraph. Just as God resided in the temple under the old covenant in, in Israel, God's spirit dwells within the new temple, the church of, the Christ, of Jesus Christ. Verse 17 again refers to those unbelievers who set out to destroy the church. Paul says here that God will overcome and triumph over those unbelievers. As we finish up, let's look at what God expects of us as believers. Whether we are waterers, planters, or builders, it's important we follow God's will. Remember, our motives make a difference. Our conduct is key. Is our conduct good, evil, or just worthless? Our service to God will be judged. 
Are we using the opportunities that God sets in front of us to further his kingdom? Are we doing everything that we can in our area for God? And finally, as a believer, our, our salvation comes from Jesus and won't be taken away. But at the same time, our works for building his church will be judged. Are we using the right materials now that won't be burned up by that fire of judgment? Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you. We thank you for this church. We thank you for the believers that come together to serve you, Lord. We just pray that we take a, take a few minutes and look at ourselves and make sure that we are building your church for the right reasons and with the right materials so that when we are judged, that we will receive that reward in heaven. Lord, we thank you for all those that are here today. We just ask that you be with those that aren't. Thank you for everything that you do. In Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen.